FMX Network Production. You cast me, complete me till What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity. All right, man? Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. This is Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show. This is the number one wrap-up show in the moto industry, where each week, myself and a couple guests wrap up and discuss the good, the bad, and the janky in that week's Pulp MX Show. But before we get started, I want to thank all the sponsors who've come on board. Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, and Motorsport.com. I appreciate all the help and support from those great companies, so please use them and support them. Also, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, or critiques by emailing me, darkside at pulpmix.com. All right, let's wrap this thing up. I love popping cherries. <laughs> Talking shit on riders on the internet. I mean, to work. Business, yeah. business is booming. Absolutely not. Gone. I'm out. I would rather, I'll give you money. If Gone. you want to pay the movers, like I'll chip on the mover fee, but I'm not doing it. What's like collegehunks.com. I need a listener to go to a biscuits game, home or away, <laughs> and heckle bets. Well, I feel like you could uh, just go to uh, RJ and be like, hey, man, don't crash. I'm, I'm hyper lax jointed. I never you said, don't. why do you hate Mumford? I mean, that part, I might have said that. <laughs> I might have said that. Whichever one I'm not getting jizzed on. Why would you shit on someone's wife, Steve? What you're doing is is horrible. You're ruining your life. You only have one knee. The doctor said, don't go upstairs. I tried to listen to him, but you have fucking stairs, so it's your fault. <laughs> oh, so it's my fault. <laughs> He's from calling all the way from China. Man, I want to smoke a cigarette after I watch you ride. It's so good. <laughs> I've got adrenaline up the ass. On Saturday after the race, I, uh, I got a little bit close to ripping your head off, but it's, it's all good. And guess what? I'm not going to be there to console you. <laughs> Fuck you. Steve is like an abusive uh, father. I did. It, it's really nice. <laughs> I've been... It's really nice. It's really nice. It's really nice. It's really nice. Hey, man, where you shave your fucking nuts at, man? And I'm big. Like, right. And, and this is something. The, the ketchup is not really the issue here. It's the nipples? I don't want to lick his nipples. <laughs> I mean, if I got to save the man's life, I guess I would. Okay. Welcome to another Pulpamex wrap-up show. I'm Darkside from the Moto X Pod Show. And this week at show 473 from the Palace de la Mathis. I just made that up. I don't know if we're going to stick with it. But uh, the new studio was live. We had a few issues. Uh, on the line, though, tonight, before we get into all that, I want to introduce, from Australia, from the Moto Limited show, Nick Still. What up, dude? D-side, what is up? I, I don't like D-side. That that could go a lot of different ways, <laughs> Nick. <laughs> I heard Keeper say it, dude, and I was like, yeah, we are uh, using that. <laughs> damn, I missed that. I would have said something. I don't yeah, I don't like D-side, but all right, we'll, uh, we'll roll with it for now. And also on the line from Racer X and a gamer legend, Kellen Brower. What up, dude? <laughs> What's up, Dark Side? I don't know if you can call me quite a gamer legend, but I appreciate the sentiment nonetheless. Well, I'm not much of a gamer, but everybody, you know, when you, you hear the people call in and the people on Twitter and Instagram, they, they are big fans of your gaming. So, yeah, it's interesting. I feel like I, I come across a bunch of people that I have no idea would know about. SYS or anything that I've ever done before. Like yeah. I ran into uh Jalik Swole just walking the track at Red But Oh dude, I totally know who you are. Like, yeah, I watch all your videos and I'm just like, how how are how do these people even know? 
<laughs> that's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah. We got a we got a guy that's way more famous than us, Nick, on the phone. No, 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 no. Stop yeah. it. That's not hot. That's not hard, Dark Side. We're no, it's not. <laughs> it's not. He's, he's well he's well above us. It's like I knew Kellen before I'd race direct. Like and then I was like, Wow, Kellen Kellen worked race direct. I knew him and start your system. So yeah. I thought that was pretty cool too. Yeah, uh, Kellen, when I told I'm in a group text with Nick and his co host Trent and originally, I asked both of them to do the wrap-up show this week, and Trent couldn't do it, so that's when I reached out to you. So sorry, you were second second fiddle, but Trent was like, "Oh, I want to do, I want to do one with Kellen." So, <laughs> so they are definitely fans of yours, man. Uh, I mean, that's awesome. Like I said, it's it blows my mind if people know about it or whatever. Like, I guess I look at sub counts sometimes, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's a decent amount of people," but still, it never would register to me that this many people actually do know that I exist. You yeah, it's know? cool, man. You're, you're a good dude. And yeah, I, I love that we've become friends and par- you're part of this. It's awesome. But look, yeah, man, this week, you. this week we had two top shelf co-hosts for uh, episode 473, 473, Jason Thomas from fly racing, Chris Kiefer from Kiefer Inc. Testing. Uh, my, my guy, Steve Hall, who helps out with cutting, giving me notes for the wrap up show, which Nick fell short on this week. Steve uh, actually put in his notes, these three have great chemistry, and I agree. And I'm going to ask you guys about that. But before we do, let's finish the introduction. Uh, On the phone Monday night, we had Phil Nicoletti for the Motorsport uh, check-in, Zach Osborne, Connor Fields from China, apparently, Chase Sexton, and Max Ancy all came on. A really full show, a lot of content, a lot of ball busting, pot stirring. We're going to get into all that, but... uh, First, Nick, what were your thoughts overall on episode 433, 473? Dude, Kiefer and JT, what's not to like? I, I, you know, it was, it was, it was interesting because you know, in the new studio, and you know, things weren't really working, and Steve, was just, just, it was more so you found out a lot more personal stories which happened in that group text yeah. than anything else, and that's that's the stuff I like because it it sort of gives you a, a sort of a back end look on it and sort of lets you in on the laughs and then. That's something we can all sort of keep an eye on in the in the future episodes to come. Definitely, uh, Ke- Kellen. How about you? Do you overall do you enjoy the, the episode? And did either of you watch it or just listen? One, well, go ahead. I, I watch it. Okay. Kellen? Yeah, yeah, I watched it too. I mean, I just had it on another monitor while I was while I was working. But yeah, you tend to look over and watch and see reactions and stuff like that. And like you said, this episode was like really full. Like I feel like we got through Phil and we got Zach, and I'm like, oh, those are two like like big legit names that are on the show. And then you look down and you see like, Oh, Sexton's still coming. Connor Fields is still coming. <laughs> yeah. like the, and then Anstey obviously was going to be added to the show late too. And I felt like, man, like this is uh this has a potential at least to be up there as one of like, you know, the better all time shows, especially with like kind of the Anstey drama and seeing where that was going to go. And it didn't kind of materialize into quite the laser gate thing, but right, it definitely, right. Definitely did, I feel like, bring a little bit more uh, of a punch of more people to come in and, and see what the drama was all about. I think so. It was, uh, yeah, it went five hours and like 27 minutes. I don't remember the overall. It was, it was one of the longer shows for sure, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, being here in central Texas, and, of course, Nick, you're 12 or 13 hours ahead, but it, it's about 12.30 a.m., and I was uh, I was pretty spent when it was wrapping up, so I was – it was a long one, but I want to talk about the new studio right off the bat, right? So Steve, being the trooper he is, studio wasn't complete necessarily, the new studio. Did a show anyway, a few technical issues. They lost power at one point where they lost the Wi-Fi, so the stream went out. Um, there's a lack of memorabilia. A lot of people were very upset with that in the chat room on YouTube. 
you know, and, and I think, listen, Steve's not really given us exactly why he moved Nick. We don't know the details. He just, there were some issues at the old house. I think maybe there was something that Pookie wasn't completely happy with. It sort of sounds like Steve, you know, had, hey, he, he took one on the chin basically for, for Pookie, for the wife, and smaller studio, but I don't think long-term it's going to be any, you know, it's not going to hurt the content any. It just uh, takes away from the scenery a little bit, but all the other issues, the sound, all that, we, we know that's going to get better. Yeah, absolutely. I was sort of the same as you. I was actually going to, I was coming close to messaging saying, hey, why don't these move? Because that feels like that sort of come about rather quickly. And I was thinking, okay, last when they announced it last week, I was just like, oh, wow, Steve's going to have, like, this whole boardroom, which is going to be a studio, and it's going to be freaking amazing. And then we uh, turn on YouTube and see the studio. I was just like, uh, what's going on? And yeah. then, yeah. So they're, they're, but listening to uh, listening to you talk about it, listening to Kiefer talk about it, apparently that's a, a pretty impressive house. So that's uh, a credit to Steve. He's been able to do this for him and Pookie. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah, he, he told me a couple of months ago that he was going to be moving and it was going to be basically like a loft for the studio, a lot smaller studio. But yeah, I, I, he never got into the details. But Kellen, uh, I don't know if you saw some of the pictures that Kiefer posted. There was a, one from outside with a view of the pool. There was one inside when they were eating dinner. And man, it looked like they were in the, the hall or the hall, the great hall of the Bellagio or something. <laughs> yeah, I actually didn't see the photos, but I did talk to Mathis at um, Washougal on the weekend and and he sounds like really happy with the place. Like, even though uh, the studio is a downgrade, it seems like everything else is a massive upgrade. And he was saying that he comes back from his mountain bike rides now and pretty much just, you know, gets in a swimsuit and jumps <laughs> in the pool for like 30 minutes to, re- you know, cool off, relax, whatever. So yeah. he sounds really happy with it, even though it was obviously Pookie that wanted the move. And uh, I actually, uh, unlike most people, I liked that it was like a more smaller quaint setting because uh, it, it reminds me of where pulp came from a little bit like his old uh studio up at the top of the, of the stairs at the old place was like yeah. the same thing it was really tight everybody was kind of cramped together and uh it just seemed like to me it brought a better better vibe out yeah and i think the the term downgrade of studio downgrade is really only relevant visually uh sound wise mm-hmm. like the, the equipment's all the same he he ordered some high dollar um, like soundproofing wall or something curtain that's coming in that's going to get rid of some of the echo. And I didn't notice watching on YouTube, but I did listening through headphones when I was pulling audio. I could hear like Pookie and Heather downstairs. You know, I could hear. Yeah, them. I heard that too. So I didn't notice it on YouTube, but yeah, all that I think I'm sure that's going to get fixed and we're going to have perfect sound. I mean, there's no way Steve's not going to have it at perfection. So look for that to come. Uh, but yeah, with this this episode, a lot of talking shit, Kellen. Um, well, let's let me rephrase that. So, Steve says first of all about the house, talking shit on riders is paying off, and we know that throughout the the history of pulp, Steve likes to talk shit, whether it be with his buddies, uh, some of the riders that he's friends with, just busting balls. And there was a whole lot of that Monday night. We had multiple topics under that shit talking umbrella that I'm talking about. <laughs> Uh, last show, we know that on the racer, the race tech rant, he, he discussed Millie Anstey's post, right? And he didn't, he didn't like it. He thought it was unprofessional. They confronted him at Washougal and Max was, you know, professional enough or cool enough. I don't know how you want to put it, Kellen, to come on Monday night and talk about it, man. And, uh, you know, I didn't really pull any of that audio, but I thought it was really cool that he came on. 
he said, yeah, you know, I wanted to kind of rip your throat out or whatever at Washougal. But he also, I felt like, kind of understood what Steve was trying to do. Yeah, I, I was actually really uh, shocked to see that Max was going to come on because I didn't quite see the altercation. But uh, talking to people afterwards, it sounded like it was it was gnarly. Like really? there was uh, a, a lot of yelling and a lot of cursing. And uh, the truck driver had to get involved and like back, you know, Steve away from the truck and stuff like that. And um when you hear all those things, it's pretty hard to believe that two days later that he would come on and be as, as amicable as he was. But yeah, it was great to see that, um, you know, he kind of bit the bullet a little bit and was like, yeah, I, I was probably a little hotheaded and, and probably unreasonable and, and made sure to come on and his piece and say what he felt was right and what was wrong about what Matt has said. And, and I think that makes for a, a great show when you have kind of this drama like this, but it's able to get solved on air like this too. Absolutely. Nick, I think it's really awesome. This is one of the coolest things about pulp is Steve doesn't really seem to hold grudges. Like even if he doesn't like somebody or he has an issue with somebody, you know, like he's, he's kind of talk shit or not really talk shit, but he's, he's touched on the hopper videos, but he's like, Hey, hopper can come on. Gypsy tales can come on anytime we can talk about it. He has no problem having somebody on that he has a beef with and being professional and talking about it. Absolutely. I was just about to say that, you know, I think we hear it like once a show that Hopper can call him whenever he wants. And I think that is the good thing about Steve. And I, I sort of seen this with him and Max was Steve sat there and let it, let uh, Max sort of explain how the way he thought and then counted back to why Max has got defensive and everything like that. And Steve didn't start arguing about it. He sat there, they spoke about it, and it was actually an enjoyable thing to listen to. It wasn't, dude, I think we were all sitting there going, oh, this could go bad so many uh, ways. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think they were both really, really professional. I think Max is a great speaker. We know that he's so good at putting words together, and, and you can just hear it, in, hear it in his conversation. And Steve was great about the situation as well. Yeah, I actually really, really enjoyed uh, Max pulling in. Yeah, and then at the same time, Steve did not – back down he's like you know i still stand by what i said but he did also say i probably crossed the line by mentioning millie not having a job basically you know just being taken care of by max uh so yeah i i think it's fantastic when he does that stuff not not afraid to be honest and say things the way he be professional basically which leads me to the next topic that i want to talk about is uh, a caller called in about how Steve gets into shit and other media guys don't really fall into those sand traps that Steve does sometimes, but it gets, he gets the actual story. So let's listen to what they said. What I was wanting to get to is the, um, Race yeah, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> um, but you're talking about the thing with Max Nasty and his wife. And I know Max is coming on tonight, but, but like, I don't, I, I think that it, it kind of contrasts the difference between you and other media members. I feel like there's a reason that, that you're the one that kind of gets into shit is because you're the one that actually tries to get the actual stories. I mean, cause you don't hear about things like this happening with other media members. You don't, I know it's not always fun either. Um, I feel like a lot of the media is, is here to be friends with the guys. And, and I, and I like being friends with the guys too, but at the end of the day, I got to do, I do, I look at it like I got to do a job. Yeah. Tristan, I feel like most media are there to bro down with the guys, right? A lot of them take photos mm-hmm. and write on the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so their, their main thing is not a journalist. I'm using journalists in very loose terms here. Their main thing is not a journalist guy or a podcast guy. Right. And I just want to 
treat our sport like a little bit like uh, a real sport, you know what I mean? A report on the good, the bad. Uh, is this rider performing? Is this rider not performing? And I don't know if other media guys want to do that. I mean, all right, Kelly, I'm going to go with you first. I think this relates to the three of us because we all are in media, quote unquote, to some degree. Uh, obviously I do a podcast. Nick does a podcast. You work for racer X. We're all in the press conferences most of the time. Uh, and I know we're like where Steve's coming from. He's right. I, I mean, I definitely struggle with like saying anything negative about somebody because I know how small the industry is. I know how small my personal footprint is in the industry and it would take nothing for these teams or MX sports or failed to be like, Hey man, we just can't have you back. You know, it just wouldn't, I don't have the, the weight, no punt, no joke intended here, Steve, but the, the, I don't hold the weight that Pulp MX does. So it's very difficult. I find it very difficult. How do you feel about it? Kellen working for racer X. Yeah. I mean, I, I also kind of struggle with the same level because I still feel pretty new to the industry. So yeah. I feel like at any point, like I could get myself in trouble. Like I, I have actually gotten in a little bit of trouble already. So, um, you know, I think like a lot of us want to say stuff. Like if you talk to people in the media and bench race with them, there are some, some things said about riders or about things in the industry that they don't like, but I think you're totally right that there's like uh, an overarching theme that too many people kind of have to follow or stick to where if you say the wrong thing, like it, that's it, like one strike and you're out almost, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I agree that Mathis is in a much different position. I think that there's very few people like him that are in that position. Like I think Weed is also there as well, but I, I also think that like Mathis said, there's a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of like journalists really in the industry. There's a lot of photographers. Um, <laughs> like if, if you go to a national, uh, I end up in the media tent by myself quite a bit because there are so many photographers or videographers that grab vests and leave and, you know, don't come back all day. And that's great. Like we get a great view of our sport through them, but, uh, we also don't get as many people talking about our sport either because a lot of them are just taking photos and videos and not necessarily, uh, coming in with like hot takes like Mathis does. So I think that uh, his presence in the industry has elevated it in a lot of ways because he isn't afraid to say stuff, but he also is not afraid to talk about really anything, like anything that anybody wants to talk about. Uh, he's happy to have him on the show and, and uh, you know, make for uh, good radio and, and good journalism, really. Yeah, and I think when he, the first time he mentioned taking pictures and broke it down, I took it as like, you know, oh, hey, uh, hey, Eli, come over here. I want to take a picture with you for my Instagram. You know, I didn't even take it as like Emery or, or, you know, Rich Shepard or those guys out there professionally taking pictures. I took it as somebody like myself broing down and, hey, you know, taking a picture with a rider. And, and Nick, I mean, you being in Australia haven't really had a chance to go to any races yet, like these races as a, as a media guy. But I feel like you're in the same boat. Like when you first started doing the press conferences, you were nervous, right? You were trying to be careful about what you said. You got to be, you got to be, you feel like you got to be real careful because you could get kicked out or real quick. And I appreciate the fact that Steve has the position he has, because we do need somebody like that's professional and that is trying to make motocross and supercross an elite sport, just like the NFL and major league baseball or whatever sport across the world. Absolutely. And I, <clears throat> I agree with Kellen as well. Kellen's 100% correct there as well as, you know, it is right. We need someone like Steve in this who, you know, isn't afraid to go ask the hard questions, drop the, you know, he hears news nine times out of ten, you'll find on Twitter pretty much straight away. He's not afraid to break the news. And for us, 
we sort of need people like that. But exactly right, dude. In the in the press conferences, I'm still scared to talk to some of these dudes. And <laughs> it's 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 funny when Steve talks about growing down with these riders. One of the comments on YouTube I get all the time is, "Oh, what, what, what's with all these Australian guys and saying mate? They're trying to be matey mates with the riders." But like, the people got to realize, like, saying mate is the what that is our language, and you, you'll see that with uh, with Jet and Hunter. That's just something we do, and that's the one thing I get uh, I get complaints about the most on YouTube. So oh yeah, that's uh, that's the hard, the hardest thing for sure. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think uh, Steve is definitely he's right, and it's it's difficult to find that line when you're new. But um, Steve does a great job of it. Hey, uh, just off record a little bit or off topic, I, I there is a chance I'm gonna be getting another bike here in the next few months. And just so you guys know, the first thing I'm gonna do is call Andy Gregg and get a seat from Guts Racing because there is no better seat. And uh, yeah, that's just if you guys are out there and you need any seat upgrades, you got to hit up GutsRacing.com. Shout out to Andy Gregg for being a part of the Pulp MX wrap up show. Uh, best seats in the business. But anyway, let's stay with the uh, the shit talking, stirring the pot topic. Uh, throughout the night, Nick, throughout the whole night, over and over and over, Steve just stirring the pot, stirring the pot, stirring the pot with JT and quote unquote hating on Mumford. Man, it, it's just one of those things that. Every show, there's something like there's a theme that we get weaved in and out of the show. And Monday night, it was that exactly right. I think it was, dude. At, at the start, I was laughing about it, and it was it's cool that Mumpy was able to lead some laps on the weekend, which which makes it so much harder to uh, make it so much harder. But the funny thing I sort of found was towards the end of the show, I sort of felt like JT was starting to get the shit with it. You guys agree with me, or it's it's definitely yeah. I think he was a little bit over it uh, because because he is part partly right that, that Steve says these things and he jokes about it on the shows. He jokes about it on Twitter, and the people that aren't in the know as far as Pulp Nation people see that and they're like, oh, they, they don't know it's a joke, right? To some degree, they take it as oh, this guy Jason Thomas is really talking shit. And I've got Carson Mumford. I, I did a pre-record with him right before we started recording this uh, that I'll tag on at the end of this where he, he's a fan of Pulp Mix. He, he, so he gives his side of it. He gives his view. He hadn't heard the audio from Monday, but he had heard that it had been talked about, and his vibe that he had gotten from it was not so positive. He thought JT might be actually bagging on him a little bit. So playing the audio that I play that you guys will hear later, he kind of he realized he, it changed his opinion, but the the average fan that maybe just picks up on this from Twitter doesn't listen to Pulp uh, Nick. Yeah, they they might be like, oh shit, this is serious. And JT probably that's what he kept saying. Like you you say this, but people don't realize it's a joke. Exactly, and it's like I think a, a lot of people sort of jump on the whole, you know, the topic of jet whether he's generational and sort yeah. of the difference between what DB thinks and the difference between what JT thinks. And I think that gets mixed in translation again with what they think is being serious or whether it's being a bit of a joke. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, and, Kellen, I'm going to get your thoughts on it, but let me play this audio that I cut first. Uh, this is rel- – I think it's probably just over two minutes, so it's a little bit of a long piece of audio, but it really gives an insight to a lot of, a lot of the moments from Monday night. So here we go. 
Well, so what's the deal with Carson? I don't Dickens? know, dude. I don't know. It's I, no, it's him. Oh, okay. I don't know it's what the deal is. No. It's just Steve Boone. No, it's not. It is not Steve yeah, Boone. Steve. You want to know why? Because Scott, his dad, called me. Oh, oh what do you know? And what? said, uh, because you pump this. I did not pump anything. I don't. Pump I haven't words even said a word, and you're just hammering me about Mumford. I have not said <laughs> one word. You hold on. You, 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 is JT talking shit about? No. Yeah. yeah. You Scott, take one thing and you just no, ram it Scott home. Scott heard the review until, show. Scott heard the review show. I know, show. but that's, what, that's where it started. But I was also perplexed by your, <laughs> you not I, – I said, hey, Mumphy started – every time Mumphy started in the top ten, he's gotten top ten this year. Right. Which is true. Steve. I take one statement. And then, and then Steve just twists and twists and twists and twists <laughs> that is until bad. somehow at the end of it, he thinks I, he's making it out like I hate somebody that I've never no, met. No, uh, it's never personal. It's not personal. It's not. It's not. You, you don't know but Mumford you do at all. This. You do this. You just shit on it. You take it. No. He just said, look at that crash. I said, all I said, he said, he said, hold on. That crash that took everybody out of the mill. It affected the results. I'll tell you exactly what I said. Okay. He was going off about Mumford's ride, which great. Good, good job. Top 10 moto. All I said was, I think you at some point you have to factor in all those guys going down that yard sale of factory talent that was laying on the ground. Yeah, has to have an effect. Right. Look at the guys that were laying there, right? So <laughs> let's see more of it, and then we're onto something. That's okay. it. And then he just goes off no, into a tent. You, no, I'm okay. telling you, you don't even say know you him. hate what you, Mumford. I never said know. why do you hate Mumford. I mean yeah. that part. I might have said that. <laughs> <laughs> I might have said that. But, in a joking manner. In a joking manner. But that's what happens. You, know, you joke and you joke and you joke. Yeah. Exactly. Until people think that I like have some sort of vendetta. When why would I care? Yeah. No, I, at all. I just feel like you should have said Mumphy rode well. I he did. did. Well, I'm JT, the Mumphy, uh, the Mumphy hater. How's it going there? Uh, uh, and he did the same thing with Troll Train over the years too. Where, see, like, more of it. More I just, of it right I always here. felt like he didn't Perfect give Troll example. Train. There's look, there's certain guys that guys don't like or the the, the cut of his jib. JT just doesn't like the cut of his jib. But whatever see, it is, <laughs> I think it was awesome. What is like for him to say there are certain guys that people don't like? What are you talking about? I don't know, man. Because Mills, I know is, you don't know. I, don't I know, know that you don't know. All right, Kellen, so I want to get your thoughts. But listen, for entertainment purposes, this is hilarious, right? It makes us laugh all the time. But then when you take that line of Steve being like, I, I want this to be professional, it, it, it's really borderline because it's more enter- that is more entertainment than professional uh, media coverage. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's kind of typical Mathis. He he likes to take one little thing and uh, blow it up a lot. And I know he's doing it for entertainment. Like all of us that know him know that that's what he's doing. Uh, but I feel like sometimes, like like JT is saying, is he doesn't realize how many people don't know that that's that's really what he's doing. Like he, from my side, he always is like hurlings, 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 and yeah, so then yeah, I get. Yeah. I get people tweeting me all the time. It's like, oh, your guy Jeffrey, he crashed again. He's out again. And I'm just like, that's that's not even <laughs> – like, I'm more worried about everybody else in the world championship right now. Like, right. But, you know, um, but that's what Mathis does. And, like, I don't mind playing into it. And I know JT doesn't really mind playing into it. But it does reach a point where it's like – like, we're, we're not, you know, necessarily even, like, doing it for entertainment anymore. He's just doing it to try to, like – beat it home and we're like whoa we're not even there anymore you know yeah, like you got to take yeah. a step back and realize that jt doesn't hate mumford like he's just <laughs> talking about how his riding has not been maybe up to snuff this year and we got to look at it a little uh more a little bit more results than what he's got and mathis is like oh okay like shit on mumford shit on mumford the, the <laughs> same way that they're like oh shit on shane or you know yeah. whatever else so um yeah he, he definitely 
definitely pushes it just a little bit too hard sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. And I, I always relate this back on the wrap-up show, and Steve's talked about it. Like, he's a Stern fan. Uh, Pookie's a huge Stern, Howard Stern fan. Steve has modeled, to some degree, the Pulpamex show uh, from the Howard Stern show. And Howard has this producer, longtime producer, Baba Booey, who, if you didn't know the history of the show, you would think that Howard hates Baba Booey. You would just, yeah, he is constantly giving him shit. Anything that Baba Booey likes, whether it be collecting records, anything, any TV show he likes, Howard says it's, it's fucking stupid. He, may, he just berates him constantly. But it's just part of the show. But then the outside people don't realize that. So it's funny that there's that line that Steve's trying to walk of being a professional a journalist, but also do the pulp show. And for us, it's fucking gold. And that's really all I care about is, is that we're being entertained and, you know, yeah, maybe he crosses the line somewhere and then usually he'll, he'll, if he does cross the line, he'll admit it at some point. But, um, it was funny, man. Like I said, stick, stay tuned towards the end of the show and I'll tag on. I got about 10 minutes with Carson Mumford and his response to it. I actually have a little bit more audio from the topics of that, that whole topic that I pulled. So you guys hear that later. Um, but let's, let's shift gears Kellen to some actual racing. Uh, Washougal just happened this weekend. Dylan Ferrandis, they, they talked, touched on him a little bit and how the five one was so impressive at Washougal, how he held off Eli. Let's listen to what they had to say. I want to talk about Ferrandis. So with Kenny's bad day, he always has a 50 point lead in this thing and he holds off an all time performance by Eli Tomac. Ferrandis is five one was he didn't win but it was damn impressive and that's the kind of stuff where you're just like yeah he's gonna win this championship because he didn't go five five and he didn't even get caught and passed by eli tomac like he wicked it up and held eli off and eli was like dude i was eli himself was like i can't believe you know i was riding yeah. great but to me even more impressive he's had two motos this whole season where he's been off the podium yeah just two and those two motos were both a fifth you do that you're gonna win the championship piggyback on what you're saying for me is when you have when you see a 5-1 those kind of scores you don't see that in 450 class that much now you see something like 5-1 a guy could go 8-1 at any time this year yeah. and be like that's yeah. not shocking right. someone like Ferrandis, you get a fifth you could be bummed out and not, that might set a tone for your second moto but he comes out and wins and holds off yeah a tomac that's up his ass yeah, yeah. well the crazy thing is, is that he's already proven that he can come from the back yeah so yeah you know, he's going to have to have catastrophe. I mean, full Multiple. Me- mechanical break, you know, smoking, and it actually his bike stops. Yeah. Uh, injury, something. Frandis has been up against a mostly healthy field, and mm-hmm. he's just clearly been the best guy. And yep. he's been able to beat Tomac when he's on his best day. Like, that yep. second moto, that has not happened very often ever yeah. Yeah. to Eli Tomac. Yeah. Like, someone able to fight fire with fire. That just hasn't happened. Uh, Nick, we could probably do this whole wrap-up show and not talk anything about racing from Monday night, right? I mean, this the Monday night show was not super, like, specifically race-heavy, but I definitely want to touch on Dylan because he has been so impressive this year. And I, what they were saying, but you know, just holding off Eli, unreal. Uh, I, I, I fully agree with everything they said. Very, very impressive. Uh, every week, I think he continues to surprise and show that he's the real deal. So I, I just wanted to touch on what they had to say. What do you think? Absolutely. And, and as JT, JT was saying, uh, you know, two races where he hasn't been on the podium, but he's been in fifth. Like, if, if fifth is your worst, dude, that is uh, Mr. Consistency. That's Dungey all over. And 
like I said, dude, that's how you win a championship, 100%. Yeah. Uh, Kellen, thoughts on Dylan Ferrandez, what they had to say, um, him holding off Eli, how impressive that was? Yeah, I thought it was super impressive um, because, like, talking to Eli afterwards, Eli even was like, dude, I've never ridden that well, basically, and not won. Like, yeah. he expects yeah. when he rides that well to win. So, uh, for Ferrandez, who I'm starting to realize this year, like, at least in the outdoor championship, he's he's one of, like, the best – in the 450 class, maybe in the last four or five years, that's like really good at managing a race um, from any spot on the track. Like he can start from, you know, 10th or whatever. And he kind of knows how long it's going to take if, and when he passes someone to get to the next guy or, or whatever. And then from the lead, he even said, uh, I think it was either in the press conference or maybe uh, on the podium afterwards, but he was like looking back and kind of like, okay, I see it's Eli. I'm going to save myself until the end so that I have the, the fitness level to wick it up. Cause now I know Eli's coming. So like that, that kind of uh, ability to, to change your focus in the race and kind of know like, okay, I can rest for a little bit now because it's going to get gnarlier at the end is, is kind of gnarly and, and really shows where his uh, mentality is at for winning motos and, and trying to win this title. Yeah. That's, you know, I think Steve's ta- touched on it before that he's what, 27? Tw- no. Yeah. 20 i think he's 28 now actually. okay so yeah he's older than a lot of people think because he, he's a 450 rookie but he's the same age as like ken roxon i believe um mm-hmm. so yeah he he definitely is very mature in his race craft and i think just a lot of people that weren't really paying attention to him necessarily over the last few years as far as being a real threat are having their eyes open so yeah they're uh they, they, I, I agree with what Steve said, so I'll, I'll give him credit for that. <laughs> uh, One thing that I thought was pretty cool was how respectful Ferrandis was of Eli on the podium. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. You know spoke, spoke about how much of a role model Eli's been and, and how special it is for Dylan to be able to beat Eli when he is in that. So I thought that was really, really cool. and that's uh, interesting considering we may see them on a team together next year. So that's just one little thing I took from the race as well. Yeah. Multiple weeks in a row. He's had, he said things about Eli and, and shown his respect. I think, you know, when he was on Pulp Mex, uh, what, two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. And of course he was on some other show the week before that. Uh, he's very respectful of the other racers and the history of the sport. Uh, I, I really like Dylan, man. I said that when he was on pulp. I just, I think he's a great guy. He's, he's going to be around for a while. He, he has no plans on going back to France. He likes it here. He's, this is his home now. So I think we're going to get to enjoy him for a long time to come. Um, speaking of the races, Zach Osborne does not get to defend his title. Steve kind of touched on that a little bit, but, uh, it sounds like he's found his post racing career calling. Let's listen. How do you feel about probably not defending your title? It's not looking good at this point, right? <laughs> Especially like to go every weekend and see my bike just sitting there. It's kind of depressing. What's it been like to be uh, slash a rider coach over there? Um, actually, RJ was the one who came to me. I was like, sure, you know, I'll go. Well, then he won. <laughs> so then it was like, oh, well, I guess you're going to the rest of them. So yeah. um, then it kind of turned into like, hey, can you help kind of look out for everyone so oh. now it's um everyone it was really it's really cool to have some success and kind of you know uh feel like i'm helping a little bit that's that was the an original thing like i told them i was like look if i feel like i'm helping or they feel like i'm helping then then i'll be there but if it's like i'm in the way or whatever then yeah. then uh I won't, I won't be coming it's been really rewarding more rewarding than i than i anticipated to be honest with you like um 
when RJ won a red butt, I was like, man, you know, this, this is really cool. Like I, I just never knew how it would be to be kind of on the other side. And, um, and, and have the, those yeah. feelings or, or not or whatever. Well, I feel like you could uh, just go to uh, RJ and be like, hey, man, don't crash. It's been super fun. I'm really grateful for him and for the team and everyone to allow me in to do it. And also, like, with, with Styles and Jalik, um, it's easy to make, you know, kind of some small changes and see a little bit of progress. So, like I said, it, it's really rewarding. Kellen, man, this – you know, I, I freaking love Zach Osborne, but this particular interview where he touched on this this topic of helping other riders, like it may, it really, it's gonna sound bouncy, but it it touched my heart a little bit, man, because we all I worry about some of these riders sometimes, like you know what they're gonna do post race, how they're gonna f- fulfill their uh, passion for the sport, you know whether they're gonna be able to find a spot in the industry if they want it, and like I feel like. I feel like Zach really, really was surprised by how much he's enjoying helping out, and this could be something that keeps him in the sport where we get to see him for years to come. And, man, I, I just thought it was awesome. Yeah, it's it's always awesome when you hear these guys um, kind of, like, realize a, a turn of page, if you will, and, and in this case, obviously, an injury put him in this spot. But he, like, realized that, hey, like, my career, it's not that much longer. Like, I, I almost need to think about what I can do afterwards, and if this is something that he can do, it's great. I think he's... He's because, um, you know, he just has so many different like ex- stories and different experiences that other riders that uh, are his age or his level, maybe even uh, never really got to, to do. Like he had to go through a lot of trials and tribulations to make his career even work um, with going to Europe and, uh, you know, jumping a bunch of teams and then coming back here and still struggling to even come through and eventually won a title. But he can speak to the riders, I feel like, in a way that, um, you know, most can't where he can kind of explain mentally what it's like to go through the lows and uh, how to continue to ride the highs like he was able to, you know? Yeah, definitely. And he even said, like, I, I'm doing what I wish somebody told me. I wish somebody had told me these things when I was 16, which, you know, 16, 17, 18 year old kids generally don't want to listen to anything adults or older guys say. <laughs> so, if, you know, if you take somebody like Jeff Ward or somebody that maybe is a little older than these younger kids remember that, you know, more than the guys they grew up watching. They're probably like, yeah, I can't relate to this guy, but Zach is still racing. He's still relevant. So I think that's really also going to be very beneficial. And you sort of touched on that. Uh, before I go to Nick though, um, Kellen, I want to ask you like, how, were you as excited as I was that he finally pulled the trigger on getting a SIM? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Zach's just, uh, man, he's awesome. Like he, he has so many different interests that are beyond dirt bikes and motocross that he, he doesn't really talk about unless you know him a little bit. Um, and it's, it's cool to see like his personality come through when, when Mathis and him always kind of banter about this whole Sims thing. But yeah, it's like, it's awesome that, uh, like he's found another thing that, that can kill his time a little bit while he's, uh, while he's down right now. Yeah. You know? Well, he's been talking about it for at least two years that I yeah. know of, but he's very frugal, uh, very cheap. And then Brittany is even tighter than he is. So the fact that he, you know, finally pulled the trigger on something that he's been wanting for a long time, man, I, I was pretty stoked. Uh, but Nick, back to Zach training. Like, I loved what he said that, like, he, he told RJ, hey, man, if you want to take the next step, then we got to fix some details. And then he stalls the bike. And he's like, look, dude, this is what I'm talking about, man. Like, he's, he's, he's getting in their face a little bit. Like, this is 
Like, I think he'd be a fantastic coach. It's awesome. Absolutely. And just touching back on the simulator thing, my second bedroom in my house is my simulator room, so I'll, uh, I'm pumped he's getting into the sim world. I reckon that's super cool. But uh, I didn't know going, you were a baller going, like that. Yeah, dude, I love it. <laughs> but going back to Zach, and this is one thing that I, I found from it is when he was talking to Aldon, and Aldon said these are... Who the hell is Aldon? <laughs> Sorry. Okay, talking to Baker. <laughs> um, he was sort of saying that this is just common sense, and Zach turned around and said, no, it's not. They don't know these little things. You yeah, need to yeah. teach these writers these things. These writers have only got to go back and look at Zach's career and look, dude, living in a tent for health, for Christ's sake, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they've only got to go back to that and now look at the success he's having, and he is one dude to have. But I love seeing these guys who are champions stick around the sport because being in the sport is a lot better than being a security guard of the prison. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and going back, Kellen, you touched on it, the, the relationship, the banter between Steve and him. Like, just the way the interview started where he's kind of like, hey, it doesn't look like you're uh, – doesn't look too good for you defending your championship. Like, <laughs> some guys, you know, if – if Steve wasn't really tight with them, they might have taken offense to that a little bit. You know, they might be, they may be still feeling a little butthurt over it. But he's good enough friends with a lot of these guys like Adam and Zach that it, it works in our favor as listeners. Also, where it's it's not like confrontational; it's just fun, man. So yeah, uh, Zacho, great interview. And there, if you guys haven't listened to the whole show yet, there's a lot more within that interview than what we touched on. Uh, also, Phil, Phil Nicoletti called in for the motorsport.com check-in. And if I'm being honest, guys, I was pretty disappointed. Like, every week since this thing has started, I have pulled so much audio from Phil. But he was so damn positive this week, Kellen. Like, he, he was pretty upbeat. He said J-Mart was impressive. Uh, he might want to finish being a, doing the prison guard test. I was like, okay, there's nothing funny being said, Phil. Where's the negativity? <laughs> I know they caught him on the wrong night for all that stuff. I don't know what, what was good about Phil's Monday night, but uh, definitely (laughs) didn't make for normal Phil radio. Um, There was the the funny part where he like, uh, I think Kiefer, they're talking about Kiefer's FXR LE gear and, and they're like, Phil, were you going to wear that? And he's like, well, not if Kiefer's not paying me or something like that. So, I mean, we got a little bit of Phil in there, but yeah, yeah. he was definitely, he was definitely a little bit more upbeat than, uh, than usual. So it didn't quite have the same luster to it. Right. Yeah. I was a little bummed, but at the same time, I love Phil. So if Phil is happy, I guess that should make me happy. But as far as the listener side of me, I needed some grumpy Phil, uh, Nick. I needed some grumpy Phil. Hey, dude, tell, telling everyone he would, uh, he'd rather walk into oncoming traffic, that's pretty low. <laughs> that was yeah. that's pretty low. Yes, he did say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, hey, I, I mentioned that I may be getting another bike, dude, and I think anybody that listens Monday night knows, like, I got a new house, I got a new studio, I got my mountain bike and my road bike in the clo- in the, one of the extra bedrooms, uh, and of course, my bikes are loaded down with Michelin bicycle tires. I've got the the Wild Country tires on there, man. I'm ready to get my or the Wild Enduro tires. I'm ready to get myself in shape, Nick, because uh, it's time to get back on a bike. And those tires just hook up when I'm riding my mountain bike. So, if you guys, either one of you, are interested in some Michelin mountain bike tires, please hit up bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle tires. And follow them on Instagram, man. Uh, it's a, always, and of course, follow Randy Richardson. But thanks to Michelin Bicycle for being on board. As I mentioned, Nick, Connor Fields called in from China. I, I don't know how 
Steve got Tokyo and China mixed up, but um, it definitely made me laugh. Uh, again, didn't pull any audio from Connor, but just really excited, man. He's about to race today, I think, right? So, I, it's Thursday their time, I believe. So you may be, I don't know, you may be a closer time zone, Nick, than we are, but sometime in the next 24 hours, I think they're having their semifinals. So really stoked for him. Hopefully he brings home another gold. I found it kind of interesting, though, Nick, that like he talked about sleeping on a cardboard bed, which I haven't seen these beds, but I feel like uh, the nations, all the world nations, elite athletes should be sleeping on something nicer than a cardboard bed. Absolutely. And I think this is this is like a, a huge talking point. Every Olympics or, you know, in Australia, like Commonwealth Games or something like that, it's the, the villages where these people live. And isn't it funny how he was talking when they're at the airport, one of the one of his teammates bought their mattress and they were all having yeah, yeah. all pulling the piss out of them and then suddenly she's probably getting the best sleep of her life and they're uh, living on these 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 cardboard beds. So Crazy. I I, uh, I thought that was pretty crazy, especially when he, you know he speaks about the the NBA teams and some of the higher profile uh, athletes being out of state hotels. They obviously knew something prior prior to the game. So yeah, it's 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 a little unreal that that's happening. I guess maybe it's nicer than it sounds, but still, you would think all these you would think they'd have some pretty nice facilities set up, but apparently not. Um, but anyway, look for Carter Fields. Go check out. I, I, I don't know everywhere you can watch. I think it maybe on Peacock, Kellen, that has the yep. Olympics. Yeah. Yeah, I've been watching them on Peacock. I, I haven't really watched anything yet, but I'm definitely going to watch the BMX stuff. So check that out. Support Connor Fields, fellow Fly Racing. Uh, he's sponsored rider, obviously. So Fly Racing, big part of Pulp MX, probably one of the biggest sponsors of Pulp MX. Uh, okay, so Chase Sexton also called in after his win. I've got a little... Man, I've got a little backstory that relates to a different show other than Pulp Mex, but I, maybe I won't use it right now to save myself <laughs> from getting in trouble. But uh, he did call in, and obviously Timmy helping him out, Tim Ferry helping him out with starts was the first thing, Kellen, that Steve had to go to. Steve is, uh, you know, we all know how much he loves Timmy. Yeah, I mean, uh, anytime you mention Tim Ferry at all, even if it's negatively, I'm sure Mathis will find a way to make it uh, relevant to his show. Um, so it's funny to hear Mathis just basically kind of blow Tim Ferry a little bit as he likes to do and, and talk about how bad Ferry's starts were in <laughs> Ferry's career. And then Sexton pulls a whole shot the first time after. And uh, Sexton himself was even like, man, watch well, a tough track to pass on. So I was really happy to finally <laughs> yeah. get a start. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was cool for him. And um, yeah, I also liked when he talked about, cause they were like, how are the shadows at Washougal? And like, is it, is it tough to navigate that? And he's like, oh, I grew up riding these like sketchy night tracks back home in Illinois. So uh, the shadows are no problem for me. Like, of course you kind of just go in blind and hope, but yeah. I'm used to it. So it's funny to hear that insight. Cause um, I know a little bit of his backstory. I have a buddy that's like pretty close to him and um, I guess they grew up riding together on like indoor warehouse tracks. Cause it's always oh, a little cold yeah, in Illinois yeah. and stuff yep. like that. So you have like pretty sketchy lighting sometimes in those tracks. And it's kind of funny how like something as small as that can help on the high level that these guys are at. When you go to a track like Washougal and you're jumping in and out of the shadows like that. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. We have a track like that here in East Texas uh, near Dallas. That's, poorly lit and yeah you just have to hope for the best so yes yeah, I, I like that uh 
Chase and a lot of these riders know how bit much of a uh, homer Steve is for Tim Ferry. So like <laughs> he was prepared for it. So that's good stuff. Uh, hey Nick, what are you are you doing? A bunch of moving around? Uh no, not at all. Okay, there was a bunch of noise, background noise on your channel, but um, a minute ago, no worries. I think it's gone now. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, it's all good. But so the thing that Chase touched on though. The most, actually, I think Kiefer brought up his openness about his settings. We're going to listen to that because we always talk about, I think everybody in the industry talks about, like, I wish the industry was more open. Why is everything so secretive? And uh, Chase touched on it a little bit. Being a techie guy, like being in testing and all those things, and I know that Weege and you talked a little bit about how much he elaborated on some of the stuff he changed. I appreciate that kind of stuff, and I think the fan does as well. And I guess I want to know. How much do you know that you're allowed to talk to to talk about? Like we cut my subframe, and he gives the amount that they cut. Like it's no big deal in the scheme of things, but sometimes yeah. the factories go, "Hey, man, just might want to ease up on what we changed." But I think it's really cool as a yeah. fan to learn all this shit. Right? I agree. Yep. It's like I like it. Well, I don't really know what I'm allowed to say, but I might just get in trouble. I might have gotten in trouble for saying the thing about guys were shocked. But the, everyone's bike is so much different, and right. like there's like you couldn't take a cowie basically and do what they did to my bike and it worked the same they're all different bikes they all ride different i mean i could they could call me in one day and tell me i can't talk about my bike but as far as i know i'm i'm allowed to talk about it i just don't see the the secret like the secrets about it because everyone's bike's different everyone kenny is completely different his bike's not his subframe's not cut um and everything's different his right. stock's not cut at all so everyone's just so different i don't i don't see the the secrets help are benefiting anybody. So for me, I just kind of put it out there and I feel like people like to know that stuff for yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like you guys. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's any disadvantage for letting those people know. So, well, just, just um, don't lose that later on. Like if Honda doesn't say anything, don't lose that. Like if someone asked you on the podium, Hey, I made some changes. Like actually tell us what you did. Kellen, great question from Kiefer. And I think anybody like it was it was awesome. His response was great, right? I, he doesn't understand why it's a big deal either. And as long as he's not told to not say anything, he doesn't see any reason not to. Uh, and I think that's what we want from all the riders. Yeah, it's it's awesome honesty that he was so open about everything that they did change. Because yeah, a lot of times I feel like you ask a guy, um, like they say, like oh, we made a couple of bike changes, and then you go like oh, what'd you change? And he goes oh, we just did something to the shock, or oh, we just did something to the forks, or something like that, and they don't really elaborate on what the, the key changes are, which like Chase said, I mean, it's, it's not going to matter for pretty much anybody else on any other bike. And it's not going to matter for Kenny because they have pretty significantly different riding styles and the way that they approach things. So um, it, it is interesting how these guys are so reserved about what they say or what they do uh, to the bike, because in the grand scheme of things, like Kiefer said, it doesn't really matter. Like no one's really going to take that and go, Oh, he's cutting it five millimeters. I got to cut mine five millimeters too. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That I was, uh, when I asked him that question in the press conference and he may have already touched on the subframe, but I didn't think he would give me an answer when I asked him specifically, what did you change? So I was really surprised that he answered because I hadn't heard this information prior. So, yeah, I was really surprised when he answered. I thought I was just going to get, oh, you know, we just a couple clickers or we just whatever. Yeah, I, I thought I'd get a generic answer. So, uh, yeah, Chase, Chase did a great job of answering that. Um, Works Connection is a sponsor of Pulpamex, has been for a long time, and Steve and Works Connection is going to give away another pro launch device. All you got to do is send an email to contest at com 
to for a chance to win. I am once again ineligible. So, Kellen, I don't know. You're probably eligible if you want one. <laughs> Nick, I doubt they'll ship one to Australia, but uh, you could try. <laughs> but everybody needs a Works Connection Pro launch device. Man, mine went away with my Honda that I just sold, so I no longer have one. But I don't have a bike, so it doesn't matter. And speaking of contests, Steve kind of challenged the listeners to go to a biscuits game and heckle Betts, Chris Betts, and he hook him up with something. I don't think he ever specifically said what, but God dang, damn it, Nick, I hope we get video upon video or even audio of people going to, I think it's Montgomery Biscuits. I don't remember. What, the Biscuits, whatever the Biscuits team he plays for, go to these games and give Betts shit. God, this is going to be great. Yeah, I think he. I think he was saying he'd give some fly racing a t-shirt or a hat or something like that. But dude, uh, Pulp Nation, you can almost guarantee it's going to happen, can't you? Like I, I'm, I'm just waiting for it now. It's just like the next, the next biscuits game. It's going to be probably a, a hundred people and they're yelling at bets. So that's going to be pretty funny. How great would that be if there's a game going on? Bets is behind the plate, and there's twenty-five, fifty. I don't know how big you know these AAA or these minor league games are. 100, 500 people out there just giving him shit, chanting out stuff about Adam C. and Cirillo or fuck my ass or, you know, like, <laughs> oh my God, this could turn into something so great for us. I, I just, man, and, and I feel like bets would be fine with it, Kellen. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Uh, I'm in the little group chat with them and um, bets had screenshotted something the next day that someone commented on his Instagram and basically said like, I can't wait to come see you next at Montgomery. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to sit in the front row and shout about it and stuff like that. <laughs> and, and he's like, here we go. And Mathis is like Pulp Nation, baby. And uh, so they're obviously already bantering back and forth. And I mean, it's definitely going to happen. They, they go to too many of these double uh, a stadiums and, and, you know, it's pretty easy to get down pretty low uh, behind home plate at these games. Cause they're not like super crowded, but yeah, yeah I think we're going to oh, see a lot of people coming up and giving them crap. So, so great. I cannot wait. And speaking of good calls, bad calls Monday night, there was a few good ones, a few bad ones. Uh, caller Jeb called in with future headlines and seemingly earned himself a job for pulp nation. Uh, and Jeb, Jeb actually, I, I kind of got with him on Twitter. He's going to do a, a wrap up show in the near future. He's, he's a big time fan. I was pretty excited about that. So, uh, good job, Jeb on that. Then we had the longest story ever about winning a fly formula helmet. And I feel bad because the guy was great, right? He was hyping fly. He was hyping how great the company was that he got any color he wanted. And he was really surprised, but condense your stories a little bit, guys be just condense your stories. It's all, that's all I'm saying. Condense your stories. I hope you guys. Yeah, are, you know. Go ahead. I feel like I feel like Steve used to be uh, very clippy, clippy about people. Oh like, yeah. They would just be very long, and he would be like, "We gotta go. We gotta yeah, go." Yeah. There was and a call. I haven't heard, there was a I haven't call heard that too much lately. No, there was a call last week, which I didn't do a wrap up show, obviously, but I was listening, and there was a caller. I do not remember what the topic was, and it was just like went on and on and on. I was like, I texted him. I was like, "Dude, I cannot believe you did not hang up." And he's like, "Yeah, I should have." But he is. I def- think it's. Yeah, it must just be like this guy happened to be kind of like pumping up a sponsor and like JT's there and stuff <laughs> sure, like that. Sure. So Matt is probably let him go a little longer. But yeah, he definitely hasn't been uh, as aggressive with that lately. Yeah, you're right. He's he's gotten a little too nice. He's he's soft, and we're gonna talk, <laughs> we're gonna talk about that in a minute when we get to the race tech rant. His soft side. 
Uh, but we also had a guy call in about the podium speeches, and JT said that some are ridiculous. Chris Kiefer kind of was like, oh, man, these guys come off the track, and they got adrenaline up their ass. But it is hard to find that 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 line again, that happy medium, Nick, with the, the podium speeches. We can get Ryan Dungey, who is a robot and boring. Uh, we can get Dylan Ferrandis and Marvin Muscan, who talk forever and give us a lot of details. And somebody else did that this weekend, too. I don't remember who it was at Washougal. Somebody had a really, really long podium speech. But, like, yeah, it's it's – I don't know, man. It's different personalities. I wish there was almost like a school they could go to to kind of find the perfect way to do a podium speech. Absolutely. I feel like Joey Savacci sort of oh, sums it up. Pretty, Here we go. <laughs> sort of sums it up pretty well a couple of weeks on pole when he was saying it, it doesn't matter which method they go for, a lot of these riders cop it. And I know AC is the same, you know, when they get up there and they be robots and say it how it is, uh, they get slandered for it. When they get up there and, and really tell them how it is and that it wasn't well, it wasn't a good day for them, they get slandered being saying that, you know, they're making excuses. So it's like, I, I sort of feel for them both. It's just like if they go from one extreme to the other, yeah. they still cop it either. they still cop it either way. You're right. You're right. We're ne- we're never going to be happy, or no, not everybody is always going to be happier. You know what I'm trying to say. All right. Yeah. So I, I touched on Steve's softer side. We're going to get into the race tech rant um, and how much Steve really, really loves Chris Kiefer. You're one of my friends, and I care about you. Yeah. And what you're doing is is horrible. You're ruining your life. How do you make a living, Chris? Riding dirt bikes. Thank you. Okay, Judge. Please note the answer. Second thing, you tore your knee up, okay, which happens mm-hmm. uh, because you ride your dirt bike a shit ton, mm-hmm. okay? You go in, you need some meniscus work, all right, no problem. They dial you in. They go a little bit more on the operation when you woke up than what he said he was going to do, right? Correct. Fucking four days later, he's out bicycling. His knee swells up the size of my head. He is texting on our group text that it's over, he's done, he's so fed up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, motherfucker, stay off your knee. Now, will he listen? No. No, he won't. He's out testing for Honda. He's out riding motorcycles. He can barely walk up these stairs. You are not listening to your doctor. You're not following the orders. He's not ready. He's pushing his knee too much. That's how he makes a living. And you're going to fuck yourself. And guess what? I'm not going to be there to console you. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you. I told you this. The doctor said I could bicycle. He didn't specify how much. So I, I started bicycling. I only could sit around and type so much. I got to do something. But people count on me to be there this scheduled test was on the the map for some time there's no one else that could be there besides myself i already made a fucking commitment and i had to honor it okay kellen so first steve sounds like an aggravated father to his son or whatever like (laughs) you're not listening to what i'm telling you but so I, there's a couple things I want to touch on. Like I want you can clearly tell how much Steve loves Chris and his friends in general. But he loves Chris. He's worried about Chris. And then Chris comes back with a response of a typical male, a typical racer. Uh, you know, nobody else can do it but me. Uh, you know, the doctor said I could start riding a bicycle. He didn't specify. Like, come on, Chris, you know better. You know you're doing too much. But then at the end, he's like, I have obligations. And again, that to me, that's that's a man, man. Like I I go to work sick. I go to work injured if I have to. You you hold up, you take care of your obligations. So there's a lot to decipher in this rant. 
touch on it. Tell me what you think about it all, Kellen. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it, it definitely uh, shined through. I feel like that Steve does does care for Kiefer. I feel like those are, you know, I would say Mathis in terms of best friends. Like he he definitely has a good close relationship with JT, but I feel like Kiefer is is pretty much right there with JT in terms. Uh, like Mathis's best friends, at least from what I can see of how they interact with each other. So it was kind of cool to see uh, that compassion. But then, yeah, getting into what, what Kiefer's saying, and it's like, um, it's interesting because when he got hurt, like us at Racer X, we were not like, oh, crap, like there goes our test rider or anything like that because we know Kiefer has a lot of people that help him and, and get stuff done. And um, every time I ever filmed with him last year, he always had someone else there to help help out. It wasn't just him. Uh, doing the writing he wanted multiple opinions and multiple thoughts and uh, the videos that he's done for us since then he's had like two or three other people ride the bike and and he gets on camera and talks a little bit about it but then he gets their opinions as well so I really do think that he could have you know very easily on some of these tests where he says he's obligated to do it like just tell them like hey I I can't do it but I have you know this guy or that guy or whatever like he's friends with some really really fast guys and and really good uh uh, you know, test riders would say as well uh, that any one of those guys could have stepped in and helped out in that scenario. So I think Mathis is right. Like he definitely needs to kind of focus on his health a little bit because he's not a exactly a spring chicken anymore. Um, so it was cool to see the the sympathy. It was cool to see that that Kiefer wanted to get it done. But I do agree that that Mathis is correct here that that Kiefer should be resting and uh, trying to get healed up quicker. Yeah, I do too. Uh, Chris actually did call me yesterday, which would be the day after the pulp show, like he said he would, and we. He called me about the relationship stuff, which we will touch on here shortly. But um, we talked about that stuff too. And, and Nick, yeah, it's. I think you know, Chris. Yeah, he could have said, "Hey, just like Kellen just said, I've got other guys. It's still part of the business." Kiefer Inc. This it, the the business, the company's going to take care of it. It may not be me, but as most guys are, they feel like you know, hey, I got to be there too. I got to be a part of it, right? I mean, that's just how Chris is wired. I understand it, but he. I think long-term, he's doing himself wrong, doing damage by not listening to the doctor or Dr. Steve. He, he needs to listen. Absolutely, and it's, talking about it, you know, you can just see how much he loves, loves motorcycles and loves what he does. But um, at the same time, you know, talking about, you know, he – he had to go get his leg drained and stuff like that. That sort of says to me, like, dude, you're doing a little bit too much. And, you know, even when they're joking about having to come up the stairs to go to the new studio, he's like, it's uh, it's going to kill him to come up the stairs. It's pretty crazy that he, he can't come up a set of stairs that he can jump on a uh, <laughs> jump on a motorcycle and do testing for a day. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel bad for him. He I, He's struggling to find his place right now, too, I think, of – you know, chilling out, not, you know, not just like you said, I can't be on the keyboard all the time, typing all the time. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully he backs it down because we want to see Kiefer able to continue riding for a long time and not do more damage. So Chris, come on, listen to, listen to your, listen to your brother, Steve. He's, he's trying to take care of you. Yeah. I mean, if anything with him, what, what I think he should focus on is like, he loves riding his dirt bike and, and, and that's great. But dude, if he doesn't heal, like he may put himself in a situation where he can't ride anymore. Yep, I've known yep. a lot of people that, you know, knee injury, shoulder injury, whatever. And it, it, it wasn't necessarily this situation where they kept riding when they shouldn't, but an injury that was bad enough to keep them off the motorcycle for good, where if they went out there, like their shoulder's going to fall out of socket or their knee won't hold up or anything like that. So for keeper's sake, 
I think health is more important in this situation. Absolutely. Totally agree. So, yeah, Chris, listen, listen to everybody. We love you. Uh, hey, since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Seal Savers has since revolutionized fork seal protection with their zip-on Seal Savers, making installation a breeze. Check out their full line of motor products as well as intuitive products for your side-by-side. Seal Savers the original and the ultimate when it comes to protection and enter code PULP25 to save 25% off at sealsavers.com. If you guys don't know what seal savers are, they're basically like a neoprene wrap that goes around your fork seal where your upper and lower tubes come together. And it just keeps dirt and dust and mud, as the ad said, from getting in there. And that, you know, saves you a bunch of money, man. I, I don't know who has the tools to change their fork seals at their house, but it's not, not a very common tool. So, yeah, pull your forks off. You got to take them to a suspension shop. You got to get pay the, the service fee. Dude, just put some seal savers on there. It protects it. They, and they work, they work wonders, man. They're awesome. I love them. Uh, okay, so we are down to the last page of notes I have. A few more things audio-wise. And I want to go back to Max Anstey for a minute. Um, uh, Nick, sorry. Uh, he talked – Steve asked him about MXDN. And I was pretty surprised by his response. Check it out. Max, any MXDN talk for you for UK? Any uh, any talk of that? Um, yeah, like n- no, um, no. <laughs> okay. I honestly, I honestly can't see how it's going to work because the championship dies. Like, if it's not for points, you don't get paid to do it. Yeah. Why would your team send you to do it? Like what? Like I'm just thinking about Geyser. Like why would Geyser yeah, we, do the Motocross Nations? It's it's one weekend off that they get. They're in between two GPs. They, they've got a hell of a load more to go. Like I went one one at the Motocross Nations in 2017, and I got about 480 pounds, which is about 700 dollars or something. Right. So <laughs> I won the biggest race of my life I've ever done. And, yeah. and you don't. It's not. You don't. There's no incentive. You do it for your country, and it's it's amazing. Like to do it for your country is fantastic. But at the end of the year, when there's no when there's no championship at, at stake, because for for the manufacturers for the riders that are in the top of that championship, you've got to think their only goal, they get paid for the world championship. You, yeah. you, they are looking for any way, I think, to make sure that people go. Uh, Nick, so two parts of this, of what he said that I kind of want to touch on, but the first one about the money and, you know, and not getting paid very much, like the fact that it's in the middle of the GPs, I don't want to touch on that just yet, but in years past, where like Eli doesn't go or, or any particular rider doesn't go or a team doesn't go and America's mad and we're like, that doesn't make any sense. You know, it's bullshit. Go, you know, for your country. I don't think I've heard a rider break it down the way Max did about like, it's like, there's, there's no point really other than do it. It's cool to do it for your, for your country, but like you made 700 bucks and you know, you're, you're risking your health and injury in the middle of a championship that may be going on. It's just like, I haven't heard anybody touch on it so openly like that. Absolutely. You're, you're correct. It's, um, when I heard that, I was like, that, that can't be right. But, you know, sure enough, it, it probably is. And I find that incredible that, you know, that the biggest, the biggest motocross event around the world and, and that's the prize money for it. And when you talk about, you know, trying to get bike team personnel across 
across into other countries, you know, the expense of that to a race team, the expense of the country, just to, uh, yeah, you know, winning it is amazing. And I'm sure it's, 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 a lot of people have that on their list. But for $700, I don't think any of us would do that. Especially, Kellen, not, as I said, in the middle of the MXGPs. You're a huge GP fan, so I'm sure this probably touches you a little bit more. I mean, um, but him saying that, like, yeah, why would Geyser do it, right? I mean, it doesn't – it's not so much about the money, but it's about the the teams. Their their priority is the championship, Uh, you know, and that's – yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. I I just – I loved his openness. Yeah, this year for sure I definitely could see uh, it it just falling through. because too many teams will not want to do it. And I get that they're going to try to do something to make it a points race. But I think like, unless you make it literally a GP that the Americans and the Lawrence brothers basically show up to, um, <laughs> yeah. there's not much else that you can do because like it, it, if France, for example, they only can select three riders. And right now there are four, I think two, three or four that are legitimately have a shot at winning the MX two world title. And so they can only pick one MX2 guy. They might pick another one to be on an open bike, but then what are you going to do with the point situation at that, at that level? You know, if you, if they pick Vial and Boirame and Renault gets screwed while he's a championship leader, or if they just pick Renault, then Vial and Boirame get screwed or Benestant, they get screwed too. So like France, I think is, is the one outlier that this would suck for if a team is needed to be picked and then GP points are given out, which is yeah, yeah. See, why I never, I never even thought about that. So, yeah, very good point. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, they did touch on the fact that it could be canceled, and, uh, you know, Max made a really good point. Why not just wait until next year when we're back to a normal MXGP schedule? We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I, who knows? Um, I do want to say, like, real quickly to the money thing, though. I, I had a conversation with Christina Redbud, and, and Christina she kind who? of agreed with Danny. Christine, yeah. Ca- Canada, yeah. Yep. Or no, no, no. Yeah. No, that, no, sorry. No, no, no. She, she's going to help with the U.S. Yes, thing, yes, yeah, yes. Rock River. Yeah, yeah. Rock River. Yeah. Sorry. So I had a conversation with her, and, and we we're trying to kind of figure out the money thing for the nations as well, because, like, it, I get it. U.S. spends a lot of money for almost nothing. And I get that they're the draw, but I hate Mathis's take that you should, like, pay U.S. a bunch of money to come when it's like, dude, Australians are coming farther. And they're also a pretty big draw. Like, it's, you kind of have to split up the money evenly if you're going to try to do an entry thing for them. Um, but it's interesting to me that this is, this is the biggest race in the world in terms of fan perspective. Like, you, Redbud was packed like way more packed than any national they've ever had there and fans really really care about this and it blows my mind that the teams and the manufacturers and the oems and and the ama and other stuff like that haven't figured out a better way to market this so they sell merchandise or whatever or even do a gofundme for the team because i think fans would a thousand percent get behind that that's how diehard fans are about this event and if you say like, "Hey, we're going to sell you Team USA jackets," you sell them for eighty bucks a pop, and suddenly you have like a hundred people buy them. There's eight grand right there. So, um, you know, like I, I think there's a better way to approach this than than just don't go because yeah, the money's yeah. garbage. So. Steve would not like a thousand people walking around with team jackets. <laughs> I get that, but I'm saying that, whatever. It doesn't have to be the team personnel USA <laughs> yeah, yeah. jackets, but some sort of, you know, team USA and it's got the three riders on the back of the shirt or, yeah, or whatever, yeah. you know, I'm stuff like you. that. So that people Epic have a way to, to support. Yeah. And, and then that way you generate funds, you generate interest in it as well. 
you sell merchandise that people can can get for a long time. And, and I think that that's one way to approach it. But there's a lot of ways that I think they, they could approach it to make that money um, to benefit on basically the best event of the year. Yeah, definitely. Good point. All right, let's burn through some of these quick topics. Um, this one, Nick, is I know is for you a little bit. I want to I, I want to get your thoughts. So an email came in that said that he knows why JT doesn't think Jet is a generational talent, and it's because Jet doesn't wear fly racing. First of all, that's a ridiculous, absolute ridiculous opinion. But the the generational thing got touched on after that, and Steve and JT said, "Hey, he's not at that level yet." Uh, you know, someone says hard to put him in where Daniel Blair says he is because Daniel's the one that kind of started the generational thing. It's hard to put him there when he's getting sevenths. Uh, and this, I think Steve or somebody said, no doubt he's going to win a bunch of multiple championships. I want to get your opinion. You're a little bit biased because he's Australian, obviously, and you are too. You guys chase kangaroos together. But do you think right now you could say, could you say, do you say he's a generational talent? Um, no, I do not. I, I, you know, this is something that we, we talk about all the time and it's, I honestly don't think it is a generational talent compared to, you know, listening to pulp, the names they threw around of people that are, and you see what they've achieved. And then you go back to what, what jet currently is, you know, jets really, really early in his career. Who's not to say in, in a couple of years time, what, what we're saying is a different story. Yeah, but exactly. currently at the, currently at the moment, the stats, the, uh, the races and, and sort of what's going on is I, I don't put him in that category. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I don't either. Uh, Kellen, what do you think? Yeah, I would not say he's a generational talent either. I think all the people that they mentioned, it's like they, they came out and basically like won everything their first year. Um, Ricky quite didn't, but James was, you know, one of a kind basically. And, and they even said McGrath, they didn't even classify as generational talent because yeah, he that- didn't come out, you know, blazing either. So, um, it is impressive what he's doing, but it's, it's not quite like if he was winning 10, if he'd won 10 motos already this year and, and he had a 100 point lead in the championship, I think I'd be a little bit more like, okay, this is getting up there with some pretty rarefied air for a 17 year old, but I, he's only won what two motos one overall. It's not, it's not that big of a deal. Yet, no, no, you're, you're right. I agree. Okay. Let's move on to uh motorsport. Dot com. Let's do the read real quick. Uh, those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motorsport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and you looking good, too. You can go check out the new Fly Gear there. Fly Racing 2022 stuff is out. Whether you race on this track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motorsport.com. Uh, motorsport tweet at talent segment. There's one question I pulled out of this, Kellen, and it was, uh, somebody asking JT, if you had to save Kiefer's life by looking his licking ketchup off his nipple, <laughs> would you basically? Uh, so I want to go to you, Kellen, your, whoever your, your best friend is male, not your wife. Uh, you know, if that was the situation, would you do it to save your best friend? Yeah, probably. But I mean, uh, that's like a, that's a sucky question. Yes, it is. But I mean, it's to save their life. Like I, I would say, yeah, but man, that's, a, that's a sucky question. It depends if they have hairy nipples or not. That's 
okay, let's let's touch on my call just real quick. Uh, you know, obviously, I called in to promote the wrap up show. Uh, Steve asked me about the new fly gear, which if, again, if you guys haven't checked it out, go check it out. It's really it's perfect. It's it's perfect. And if you guys have been looking at the fly formula helmets. JT mentioned the new Fly CP is out. It's, uh, I believe, right at a $300 retail price for the Rion technology. It's like maybe two or three-tenths of a pound heavier than the actual carbon helmet. So if you've been debating on getting a formula, there's a, one that in your price range now. you got to get you one. So go check it out. You can buy them at motorsport.com or go to your local dealerships and ask for the catalog. Uh, but anyway, uh, use Pope. You also use pulp code PulpMX20 at Manscaped to save on a lawnmower. Uh, we touched on that a little bit in my call, but my relationship stuff, Kiefer was very concerned. He's checked on me multiple times. We had a long conversation yesterday. So just anybody that actually cares, it's getting better, man. It's getting better. Steve's not worried about me anymore. Kiefer's not worried about me anymore, I don't think, after our conversation. But I do appreciate him checking on me, and I – I also appreciate Steve busting my balls because I think, I think it shows he loves me, Nick. Absolutely, and <laughs> um, that's one thing I'll sort of give you is how okay you are with you know Steve talking about this sort of stuff. You know, it was kind of fresh at the time when it was happening, and Steve was pretty open with saying it live on the air. And you being okay with that—that's a—that's a pretty big thing, man. So that's one thing I give you personally. Yeah, I wasn't prepared for it when he first brought it up, but I was like, "What you know? What are you going to do, right?" I mean, trying to be trying to be an open book as much as possible. Uh, but during that conversation, Kellen, we got a great story about because I asked about the memorabilia getting moved. If he's going to have anywhere to put it at his new place, which he didn't actually ever say if he has a room for that stuff. But we did hear the story of him losing the container with all the jerseys on the highway, and Talon had to pick it up. That was. Dude, I would lose my shit. I was so stressed out while moving. I did do about 99% of it myself. And had I lost a container of like my jerseys or anything important, I think I would have just probably come unglued. <laughs> it actually kind of made me question like, dude, Mathis, did you not like pack that well? Like he also <laughs> lost the desk and like had part of the desk oh, yeah, rip off to it. Yeah. It's like, it sounds like I'm you just threw it in the back of the truck and it was just and right. Yeah. Just like, was like, Oh, take the studio down, throw, throw the Jersey, <laughs> throw the Ross Patterson Jersey on, throw this. And it's yeah. like, maybe like fold them up, put them in the box and like tape it shut or something like that. So it can't fly out. You well, know? I think he said um, the jerseys were in like one of those, they were in a box that's built for like hangers and stuff. So it, I think it's like a, um, a miniature closet in a cardboard box and he thought it was heavy enough, but it wasn't obviously it blew out. Yeah. I mean, I I would personally probably fold them up and put them in in something a little bit like (laughs) I had mine in a trash bag. I was saying, Oh shit to what you said. Not nothing. Nothing happened. I just, I was going to say, Oh shit. I just threw mine in a trash bag. Oh yeah. I mean, I've, I have some jerseys and the only time I've ever moved, like I definitely folded them up and, and I think I even put them in a suitcase so oh, that nice. like, nice. it's in a, it's in a place that like is kind of meant for clothes almost, you right. know? So, yeah, but it is what it is. You know, he, he, he has all, it all still, so it's fine. Uh, okay. A couple one Instagram question. Uh, this one's, I'm going to go to you, Nick, that they asked Kiefer, if you had to give up sex or dirt bikes, Oh, wait. I asked you earlier, Darkside, whether there was going to be a question that throws me, and you said no. Yeah, I didn't want to give you any preparation for this. 
Oh, dude. Oh. Well, come on, dude. You're yeah, not getting. Fuck. You're not getting laid anyway. So. Yeah, Ooh. not from the Moto X. Not from the Moto X Pod Show. I'm not. Well, you keep. Um, hey, I'm gonna go. You keep trying to slide into my <laughs> guest. My guests DMs. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to blow me out like that. So, yeah, if you guys want to know whose DMs he's slide into, just look at the history from the last few weeks of the Moto X Pod show, and you could probably figure it out. I'm going to buy. Okay. Uh, how about, well, how about you, Kellen? You're married. You got a, uh, what, your, your child, you got a daughter, right? A year? Yeah. Right. Yep. Just turned one, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's 13 months now. Okay. So, ah, man, sex or dirt bikes, what do you give up? God, I don't know. Um, can I can I revisit the topic at any point in my life, or is this like cold turkey for the rest? <sighs> let's, let's, uh, let's just say for the next year, one year. Oh, uh, next year. Um, honestly, probably dirt bikes because I barely get to ride right now as it is anyway. So makes sense. All right. Uh, Steve asked Chris Kiefer early in the show about decal works and the graphics of Heather's boobs. And he made the comment. I sent the email. Haven't heard anything back. I forgot the guy's name from Decal Works, but he actually called in. I think is like, hey, I never got the email. I instantly texted Chris and was like, hey, it's DarksideMX3 at AOL.com. So yeah, send that <laughs> send that as soon as you can. Uh, I have not got the email yet, so I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, let's see. Chris Kiefer told us he is going to check on Vietnam Vic. I think we all look forward to the results of that. Uh, hopefully, he's still alive and well. Maybe we'll get something out of that. Last thing, Nick, how quickly did you go to collegehunks.com and log in? Within about 0.2 seconds. Perfect, perfect. Collegehunks.com, apparently, JT says you can get guys to help move. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not checking. I'm not trying. I'm, I'm out. I'll do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I think for the most part, that is a wrap on episode 473. Uh, I do, I mention every week, if you guys have any questions, comments, complaints, hit me up at darkside at pulpamex.com. And then I also always say, if you have any topics for Hello Pookie, if you have been listening to the show, maybe you didn't listen to the old ones because they sucked back in the day, but they're awesome now. But the old, you know, when I, Hello Pookie is a segment where I get Pookie on. And you can submit questions or topics that we can get her thoughts on. And it could be almost anything. I've asked her about movies. I've asked her about music. I've asked her about her goals in life. So if you want to get to know Pookie better, send me some thoughts, some questions, a topic for a Hello Pookie at darkside at pulpmex.com. And we'll get her back on because I don't know about you guys, but I love it when Pookie's on the air. I think she's awesome on the mic. Uh, she gets a little bit embarrassed, but I think I, I want her back on Hello Pookie. So get me some topics, man. That's why I haven't been doing any because nobody's really reaching out. So anyway, I want to thank again Motorsport.com, Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, as well as all the Pulpamex sponsors, including Fly Racing, X-Brand Goggles, Works Connection, on and on and on. Go to PulpamexShow.com, click on the Sponsor Deal tabs. Most of the sponsors are there. Most of them have links. There's discount codes for a lot of them. If you can't find a discount code for a particular sponsor, hit up Steve, contest at pulpmix.com. He usually will get back with you and try to help you out. He might get you a deal that's not even listed. So always support those sponsors because those, are the re- those guys are the reasons these shows happen. 
Other than that, Kellen, do you have anything else within this show or anything that you want to bring up, talk about, or touch on? Uh, the only thing I also have on my notes, actually, is I was really uh, surprised to hear that Triumph not only has a motorcycle that is already up and running, but Carmichael and Tedesco tested it on motocross and supercross. I had no idea about that. Like, I talked to a couple people, and I even talked to Mathis, but then Mathis, I guess, talked to somebody else. And it's crazy that they already have a, a concept that, that can do that. And apparently it's good enough that they seem positive about it. So, hey, that's good news. It is good news. I was surprised by that, too. And I actually reached out to JH today to try to get Ricky on. Uh, and he's on a, what, that adventure ride uh, with um, Jeff Stanton, I think, right now. And then he's going to Loretta. So he's tied up for a couple of weeks. But hopefully after that, we'll get him on, as Steve calls it, the pony pod and maybe get some more info. Uh, how about you, Nick? Anything? Um, just going back to that, how like how in the world does that happen? And there's not any like photos leaked, any you know designs yeah. leaked. How does that happen? In this day and age, I don't have an answer, and it's kind of exciting but scary at the same time. Like, is there not pictures because it's really bad, or you know, or is it just? Did they do that good of a job of keeping it a secret? Yeah, like are we going to be happy? We're going to have to send drones up over the Cowie test track now to see what's, uh, what's going on out yeah. there. But other than that, Dark Side, it's really, really good to hear you are a little bit more positive and enjoying yourself. So a massive shout-out to you. Well, I I, we're all all standing by your side, mate, and it's awesome to hear. I appreciate that. You guys can check out uh, Nick at, what is it, I am Stilly on Instagram? And yeah, I am Philly N99 and at the Moto Limited Show. Yeah, check out if you guys have some more room in your podcasting, if you're looking for some other shows, Moto Limited Show. Those boys over in Australia, they talk a lot about Australian racing, but they also get some uh, American content, and they've they had the Craigs on recently. Uh, really good content. So check out the Moto Limited Show. And then, of course, Kellen Brower, your Instagram is just at Kellen Brower. Yes, sir. And, of course, you're doing some stuff you mentioned before we started recording. Uh, you're working on observations for Steve Mathis this week and uh, lots of stuff at Racer X. Always a lot of stuff going up at Racer X. So definitely uh, racerxonline.com or at racerxonline on Instagram and Twitter. Fantastic. Well, guys, thank you so much. Uh, I think that's a wrap for 473. No show next week. No, Well, no Pulp Mech show the next two weeks. But the week after next, Nick and his co-host Trent and I are going to do a – classic wrap-up we have not picked an episode just yet but we're going to do do that so you guys have some extra content i know you can't wait stay tuned for carson mumford and his response to steve and jt and the mumford hate other than that right here see ya all right everybody we uh we have a special guest on the wrap-up show this week we've already talked about the pot stirring that steve did with JT over the discussion of Carson Mumford. So uh, we have the one and only Carson Mumford on the line. What's up, Mumphy? How's it going? It's going good, bro. Uh, glad that you uh, had a few minutes to come on. Now, I, I think everybody knows that you're a longtime Pulp fan. Yep. But you, uh, you don't always get a chance to listen because obviously you're training, you're racing, um, pretty damn busy. So you have not heard any of the audio from Monday night, correct? Uh, no, I haven't heard anything. All right, well, I know we talked a little bit last night, and, you know, JT had made a comment uh, a couple weeks ago that, hey, you know, Carson had a great ride, but a lot of guys went down, a lot of guys crashed. So we need to see a little bit more. We need to see this trend continue before I say, this is JT speaking, before I say that he's gotten better or he's improving or whatever. And, and we know Steve, and Steve 
basically somehow turns it into JT hates Carson Mumford. <laughs> I I heard that uh, that episode, and uh, Steve had from my, from me remembering Steve had brought up oh Mumphy had a good ride, and JT commented, uh, well, half the field went down. Like <laughs> it it seemed like he's kind of trying to knock me. Not saying that that was his intentions, but I mean, you know, it's riders already deal with a lot of negative stuff in general so it's just like you know sometimes it rubs someone the wrong way or sure or whatever not saying that it did to me but uh yeah and you know steve he likes to keep I it mean, going keep her going yeah yeah so i he he kind of backed me up from what i remember it and uh he said well he was in front of a lot of those guys that had had crashed and you know, Steve had brought the point up that I had beaten those guys in the in the past in past races straight up. You know, yeah, yeah. So, and from remembering, JT had also mentioned, well, he's not as good as this guy. He's not as good as this guy. He's not as good as this guy. So I was like, man, like <laughs> harsh. I'm just out here trying to just just grind and do my thing. Like it, it always sucks to hear someone just speak a little bit negative negatively about you. Uh, obviously, I, I've I've never really met him. I mean, I have just in passing, yeah. but uh, nothing, nothing crazy. But yeah, you know, it's it's never like oh, pumped to hear someone not speak highly of you. Just sure, sure. You know, we de- we dedicate our whole lives to this stuff, so it's it's like, man. Yeah, it'll get to you, man. I get it. I mean, if you if you uh, especially being a fan of the show, like a lot of the guys don't care, they don't really listen. But you like the show, man, and yeah, if you hear somebody, you know, say, once in a while, I'll, I'll just put it on on a drive, and yeah, you know, like you said, it's hard to listen to every single one just with with traveling and we're all working. But yeah, I do enjoy listening, and and uh, I I like Steve, and and uh, I think I think those guys are cool. Well, I have some audio. I'm going to play a little bit of the audio that I pulled uh, just so you can kind of hear what got said. But before we do that, uh, do you remember what podcast had your back first? Dark side. Boom. That's all I got to say. <laughs> all right, here we go. This is a little bit of what I pulled. I actually played some earlier in the show, a lot more of it, but this is a little bit. Check it out. By the way, also right. on board with Carson Mumford, JT's favorite rider, Mumphy. I don't put these words in your mouth while Millsaps and Scott Mumford and everybody's No, you calling. do. That's the problem. You do. I don't. I you don't, don't do realize that. that you do, but you are. He jumps on the back. You're putting right. the thought in their head. So didn't... why are you tweeting me Mumphy when he pulls the whole shot? Yeah, check it out. Look at Mumphy. <laughs> I wanted to see more because that's a lot of guys that went down in one crash. So back it up. And then like, yeah, I mean, I just didn't want to say we've turned a corner because I, that's where the conversation was kind of going. It's like, I'm with JT. I agree. That race was boring as hell. How do you feel? So now it's Phil shitting on Mumper too. No, no, I, so he wrote it, good. He didn't. He didn't lose the lead pack that he was with. That's all I'm saying. Mass, there was just a massive gap behind him, but he stayed right with the lead pack or whoever he was. Yeah, with. all I. Okay, Tristan, did you hear him shit on Mumphy? Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, I, I would nobody him in the nuts if like he... <laughs> nobody, no, nobody. <laughs> like you need Mumford's career, like you need his career in the nuts. Um, what's that? That's you just pecking like a fucking woodchuck. What are um, your biggest things that annoy you about Steve? <laughs> Talk to Scott Mumphy. I haven't said anything bad about you know what, Mumphy. Stop! I, I wish you two would stop because I'm the motherfucker that gets the texts. Hey, keeper. You want to talk about? No, I don't want to talk about. That. <laughs> I love Mumphy. He's a good dude. He is a good dude. Scott's a good dude too. 
No one's arguing that. <laughs> the most ridiculous thing ever. But you're pushing us away. I'm pushing you. You're with... pushing us away from the Mumphy talk. Like you don't want to talk about him. No, because I know where he'll steer it. <laughs> All right, Mumford. That's, uh, that's the gist of what went on for five hours, really, over and over and over. <laughs> Uh, you know how he does, and I actually have another guy that helps out with the show, just a listener, Steve Hall, who sends me timestamps of things that you know that he thinks are interesting for me to touch on, helps me yeah. find particular pieces of audio, and he just yeah. has this whole section dedicated to Steve, you know, stirring the pot with Mumford all night long. It was <laughs> it was that way all night, but um, yeah, it, I love you know that. Steve's on the bandwagon now, and that's great. And you did yeah. back it up, dude. You you got it. dude. I mean, this last week you have to take some positives away from uh, from Washougal, big time. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I would have liked to finish better, but sure. that's my first ever time leading a pro national, and it was almost like I was riding great. It was effortlessly, and then I don't know if I was overthinking or I just forgot to breathe, but I just got super bad arm pump. And all season long, I've been the guy saying like, oh. I'm pretty strong towards the end. You know, I've been coming through the pack and, and getting the same position that I, I got and sometimes better. So it was a little bit of a bummer to, uh, to start and go backwards. Yeah. But at the same time, you got to start somewhere like that was my first ever time leading and, and, uh, Five those laps, guys, right? if you make, yeah, if you make a mistake, those guys eat you up like wolves. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, they're all in that pack and, um, you know, they're all riding really good. So it was cool. It was cool for me to lead some laps and, and that stuff. And, um, I like how JT, he is, you know, he's not talking crap and, and it, you know, sometimes, yeah, Steve tries to twist things. Sometimes it comes <laughs> off the tip of your tongue differently than, than whatever. But yeah, from, I mean, audio, from that audio, it sounds like JT's, he's not out there to get me, you know? No, not at all, man. I mean, I, I definitely want to reassure that JT is just you know he's trying to report the way he sees it too like look man you know Carson you've had some yeah, yeah. you haven't you've had some bad rides this year you right you're working on a lot of things you changed trainers you're working on things it's getting yep. better but he wasn't ready to say all right he's he's a top 5 guy now he wasn't ready to stamp it just yet so yep. yeah he was just reporting it as he saw it and Steve just you know just like with the uh, and he he mentioned this actually during the show like oh and JT shits on the troll train all the time too which JT's never shit on the troll train but Steve's always going to say he shits on the troll train cuz that's Steve yeah yeah yep yeah hey, i'm just glad Steve's got my back yeah right? he's got your back now that you're a pro for sure there we go <laughs> you know eventually he'll have to you know have to get rider d and you know uh Jet Lawrence when he moves up and all those guys, he'll have to he'll have to get on the bandwagon. But until until they go pro, he's not doing it. Yeah, that's good. That's good. He's got my back. Yeah, he's got your back, and it's cool. And I think you know, JT has no ill will to towards you. I promise you. I'm sure at some point you guys are running into each other, and it'll be we'll laugh about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Carson, man, I appreciate you taking a few minutes to jump on here with me. Uh, we're going to tack this thing on to the end of the wrap up show, so uh, people can kind of get your thoughts. And I appreciate it. Yeah, and hopefully uh, next round I can go out and. And uh, do really good, so then no one's got anything to say. There you go, man. You kind of you know what it feels like now to run up there, you know. And they say it gets easier. So now that you've felt that pace, and yeah, I think uh, it's just going to improve, man. We know you have the talent. It's it's coming. Yep, that's the plan. All right, Appreciate Carson. It. Thanks, buddy. See ya. See ya. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show?
see you.